First comes crisis, then comes power. Then comes a tyrannical government in a White House. The far left has become pros at taking crisis, mostly the recent January 6th riot, and running with them so far, I'm afraid we're never gonna catch up. But here's the thing, they're also hiding something. I can feel it, I think you can too. Because the questions I have and the facts they're providing just don't add up. And those secrets hidden deep in the murky shadows of Washington, D.C., they're building something monstrous, a monolith, all under the guise of protection for you. I don't buy it, and neither should you. But that's for you to decide. Tonight, I'll provide you with the clues that the men and women in power today, from the intelligence community to the White House, are building a surveillance and police state from which we may never escape. Tonight, weaponizing crisis, exposing the hidden hand after January 6th. Hello, America. Welcome to the program. Tonight, I, I want to start with this Mm, warning. I'm going to show you some things tonight that are going to uh, show you, in fact, in the next couple of weeks, show you some things that you're going to say, oh my gosh, there's no way out. Um, I was there a few weeks ago, and then Afghanistan happened. And I was reminded what the real power in this country is. And it is the open and giving and loving heart of Americans. And I am telling you now that if we remain with an open heart, we spit ourselves out of the system. We do our homework so we know what is true. And we do not embrace fear, but instead, to get all Jesus on you, we embrace love. And we love those who hate us and despise us. It is the only way out. I've told you before, we're passing all the exits and there is a bridge that is out ahead. We pass those exits and we are about at the bridge. There is only one thing that will build that bridge. And that is we remain calm, cool, collected and the group of people that everybody else will turn to because we're not full of hate and anger like everyone else. Tonight, I want to show you um, sleight of hand and misdirection. I don't know if you can get a tighter shot of this, but uh, here in my hand, I have a little piece of chalk here. And what sleight of hand, I, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a magician. Um, and one of the first things I, I learned was how to do this little trick. You put something in your hand and you say, okay, watch carefully, I'm gonna make it disappear. And then you open your hand and it's in this hand, okay? Well, how, how does, I'm gonna show it to you again. Watch the other hand, but the other hand that has the chalk is pointing to this one. It's part of the misdirection. This hand, who's actually doing the trick, is pointing and saying, you gotta look there. That's what's happening in our country right now. I'll show you how they are busy 
hiding their other hand, while the majority of us have been concentrating on other things, and all of them important. For the most part, it's been COVID, COVID, COVID. Then it's been Afghanistan, and all of this rightfully so. But then, oh my gosh, lions and tigers and bears, look at Texas. They just banned abortion. How dare they stop the, the murder of innocent babies? I know, crazy. These tactics work, and the progressive left has a PhD in deploying them. For a minute last week, the media stopped focusing on the Biden administration's historic and colossal failure in Afghanistan to call Texans the devil. Hey, there's always going to be some crisis, one or another, for the government. And their allies in the media will say, oh my gosh, look at this crisis. It's right here. Look at this. You're looking here when the magic is happening over here for them. Meanwhile, the country is radically transformed right under our noses because this is the hand that we should have been paying attention to. All right, we just passed the 20th anniversary of one of the worst days in the United States of America. We were all united on this, but I want to show you how far the Democrats and the left have gone in the last 20 years. Look at how the left now is comparing September 11th. This is from the New York Times. How September 11th gave us January 6th. Listen to this, quote, The war on terror accustomed white Americans to seeing themselves as counter-terrorists. Armed white Americans on the far right could assemble in militias, whether in northern states like Michigan or on the southern border, and face little or, uh, in the way of law enforcement reprisal. Okay, first of all, who are these people? I mean, you're white, Okay, are we the only ones that believe in the Bill of Rights? Because th that's pretty important for freeing slaves. Are we the only ones that believe now in the Bill of Rights? And if you do believe that and you're white, you're a terrorist in the vein of Osama bin Laden and we're up in the woods someplace in Michigan? I don't even understand that. I know who's in the, in the wilds of Michigan. There's a few people and a lot of FBI agents posing as terrorists. Now, it sounds like a joke, but to those seeking power, it is not a joke. Listen to this. This is from Joy Reid. She compared Christians to the Taliban. I, I think that might be a little hyperbole, but she believes it. And the left isn't original in the slightest. It's almost like their minions uh, go out there and hand deliver the talking points, and everybody parrots it like good little drones. Here's Michael Moore comparing the Taliban to the January 6th rioters. It's insane, insane. But there is a method to the madness. They're saying, look at that. These terrorists are horrible. But what is happening here? They're using January 6th to lump in anyone that believes in conservative principles. And those conservative principles are not really conservative. It's the Bill of Rights. And it is working, this sleight of hand. I'm going to show you a poll that came out about a week ago. I think this is pretty stunning. The poll shows that Democrats now consider Trump supporters and the unvaccinated as the biggest threat to the nation. Look at this. Uh, when you look at unvaccinated Americans, it's 56%. The number one position is Donald Trump supporters at 57%. 60% say that's the biggest threat. By the way, GOP, it's the Taliban. Then it's defund the police activists. And then after that, it's China. Hello? 
Trump supporters? Really? That's that's the one or the people who believe in my body, my choice and getting vaccinated. I'm not anti-vaccine, but I'm not vaccinated because I have the antibodies. I had a bad case of it. Now, this is not coming from the wackos like, you know, Joy Reid or Michael Moore. I want you to listen to this quote from a current Michigan Democratic representative, former CIA and Pentagon official now, Elisa Slotkin. Quote, the post 9-11 era where our greatest threats to national security were external and it is over. She goes on to mention January 6th and the Proud Boys, but conveniently leaves out the summer of rage 2020. Left-wing terror isn't even on their radar. Trust me, I'm not rehashing old things here. There's really a very important point that you need to understand coming. Now, she is, she's also right now the head of counterterrorism, the subcommittee. And as I will show you later in the show, the system is being turned against you. If you believe in the things we were all taught were right by our parents, the Bill of Rights, truth, justice, the American way, the system is being weaponized. One of their most powerful tools, basically another federal branch of the government. A few weeks ago, um, Victor Davis Hanson posed the question. He said, are, are we in a revolution and we don't even know it yet? Well, let me ask you a question. I said in 2008, there's going to come a time where you don't recognize your country anymore. Do you? Do you recognize it? I've been shocked by my nation. I've been horrified by my nation. Some of the worst things we've ever done uh, were historic. You know, the rounding up of the Japanese in the internment camps. The dishonor. But the dishonor that is happening now, this is a first in my lifetime. I was too young, really, to process Vietnam. Joe Biden and the Democrats are overseeing a policy of chaos. It is the controlled collapse of the United States. And that is what you have to understand. They believe it is over. It is no good. So let's control the collapse. And this is a policy that is going everywhere from Afghanistan to the southern border to our financial situation, to your ability to chart your own course. Main Street USA, can you keep your business? How about the street thugs that are attacking cops in broad daylight now? I told you in the past that what Obama was building and paving the road for would be nothing, nothing compared to what his predecessor would actually do with all of those levers and buttons. Now, some people would say we have a puppet in the White House because I, I think he's always looking for ice cream pudding or the wonderful uh, waft of some kid's hair. But I don't think he's entirely checked out. But he is pretty much a puppet of the White House because Obama is running, really. The underlings are all there at the White House. I'm going to show you tonight how Obama has built the framework to create the most single most powerful force in the United States government and then unleash it like a monolith to carry out their revolution and what's coming. So what is it? It is the U.S. intelligence apparatus. It's changing. Look at the chaos gripping this country right now. Is there any doubt that what we're witnessing is a full-blown leftist revolution? Let me show you what it takes. I've studied this for 25 years. Let me show you what it takes to have a revolution. You have to have certain tools. You have to have the media. You have to have Hollywood. Okay, 
check, check. You also have to have education. Let me ask you this, education. What's happening in our schools with CRT and our kids being forced to wear masks in schools? Uh, I did a segment on radio today that talked about what the, what the Treasury and the Federal Reserve are pushing right now on how to organize your kids. This is not about CT, uh, uh, CRT. This is about getting our kids to be street activists. That's what's happening. By the way, it was the unions, not science, that influenced the CDC on reopening schools. And the unions were consulted with the president when he said, we're going to have to have all these businesses make sure that you've had your vaccine. They were consulted. You weren't. Is there a leftist agenda here? And what about money? What about money? Here's the problem with money. They have the big banks. They have the Federal Reserve, and now they have all of the large corporations. Money is something that we're going to address, I believe, next week on a show you do not want to miss if you want to survive the coming collapse of our financial systems. I write about this extensively in my new book that I hope to have out by January. It's taken us longer than any other book we've ever uh, written because everything has to be exactly right, and it's It's a complex issue, but once you see it, it's everywhere. It's called the Great Reset. Part of it is just the modern monetary theory. It's the heroin that keeps the system going until it collapses into a new system. It's the cash cow to fund the revolution, and it's already happening. Make sure you join me in the next few weeks. I'll break everything down with what's going on in the economy next week. Let's just say it is chalkboard full. Now, the next thing they need is compliance. I never thought that they would get these four. I never thought they would get a compliant American public. I never thought they'd get all of the government agencies that would include the military. And I always thought our local police would stand. But compliance was out. I mean, that was a Rolls-Royce-sized gift to the tyrants. Two weeks to flatten the curve was their test. We did it because we're good people. And then we did a little longer because we don't want to see people killed. And then we just kept going. And they're making it easier and easier for people to stay home because of modern monetary theory. They saw how far we could be pushed and the damage has been done and they learned the lesson. We have been measured, we have been weighed, we've been tested, and we have all been found all too willing to comply. These are all really linked together. You have the government agencies, the military, the police, you have the bottom-up street activists and social media. All of these things are either being used or, in the case of police, undermined to further their revolution. Tonight, I want to add two more to this chalkboard. I want to add the net. Sorry, I should be running this way. Uh, And the other one I want to write is, boy, it doesn't get any better, does it, my handwriting? The event. That's all that's left. Now, let's use this lens to listen to this statement by Michelle Obama talking specifically about our cops. Listen. Many of us still live in fear as we go to the grocery store or worry about our, our dogs, walking our dogs or allowing our children to get a license. I mean, just imagine. Aren't your girls right driving? Now, they're driving. Yeah. But every time they get in a car by themselves, I worry about what assumption is being made by somebody who doesn't know everything about them. Seriously? 
the woman who said that black people can't make it and we're poor, and then she became president, and she's living the, the life of a king and queen, and the Obama daughters aren't safe? Really? They're followed. See the guy in the glasses? That's Secret Service. This is not real. This is not real. By the way, there are times I'm afraid to walk the dog. I'm a white guy. It's the difference. How can the rest of us ever go to walk our dogs or get a driver's license? It's preposterous. And she knows this. So why was it said? Because the most important tool is fear and anger. You have to be afraid of the police. And if you're on the other side, you have to be angry about what is being said about the police. But if you're, if you're afraid of the police, don't worry. The government will have a solution. It's the net. It's all coordinated, and it leads to one thing. Now, the fear campaign is doing its job as intended. Good cops are quitting en masse all over the country in record numbers, which will cause more what? Chaos, which will cause people to say there's somebody has to do something. Ever since the summer 2020 riots, crime is rising at an unprecedented rate and no one wants to talk about it because it's only happening in those cities where they dismantled the police. The one thing they do want to talk about is January 6th. So let's talk about that right off the bat. Let's fill in the gaps that the left is missing and the corporate media is not sharing with you. Leftist riots in 2020 caused over $2 billion in damages. Have you seen a congressional committee called to investigate that? Seems like kind of a big deal. In the absence of anyone in Washington actually doing their jobs, the major cities police chiefs association investigated what CNN would likely call the most mostly peaceful riots during the 2020 election year. Here's what they found and see if you've seen any of this anywhere. Did you see that the FBI found zero evidence that the riot on January 6th was coordinated? The story I think came out on a Friday and was dumped. Zero coordination. 90%, 90% of all police departments that had to respond to summer 2020 riots found the demonstrators came from out of state. What's that? 29% discovered that they were being paid to be there. Listen to this quote. These events had thousands of people in attendance, including groups with suspected violent extremist ideologies. They were prepared and coordinated resistance. It was reported by some agencies and similar tactics, such as the use of arson, looting, barricades, caravans, and specific types of weapons were seen in major cities nationwide. Protesters seemed to coordinate their movements and actions on these days as if the violence and tactics were pre-planned. That's over the riots. There was FBI, no evidence of any coordination on January 6th. Now, out of the, all of the responding police departments, over three quarters of them reported the presence of violent far left extremists. Now, half reported seeing violent far right extremists. So we've got a lot of far one side or the other crazy people. Okay. And we can't get a con congressional commission to look into this. Well, maybe it's because they didn't use weapons. 
you know, we can't look into them because the media and the left have been very vigilant in showing us the mace and the flagpoles that the January 6th rioters were wielding in the Capitol. BLM and Antifa rioters brought rocks. Some of them were pre-placed like they were pre-planned. They brought bricks, Molotov cocktails, and firearms. Everything that happened in the summer of 2020 dwarfs what went down on January 6th. But the Democrat-controlled government doesn't give you any of these facts. And despite all of the efforts to hide the truth, 66% of Americans want Congress now to investigate the BLM and Antifa riots over January 6th. I say investigate all of them. So what is it that they're hiding on that day? And how are, how are they using it to complete their little revolution on the Constitution? Well, I will show you next. You are going to understand this much more uh, next week on uh, the Wednesday night special when we take the, the coming collapse of the financial system globally, but especially here in the United States. Please get out of debt. Do everything you can to save money. I will explain next week half, about half of what you have now in cash will be gone. About half of it will be gone. So how can you save money? What can you do? Call American Financing, please. Check them out at AmericanFinancing.net, AmericanFinancing.net, or you can call them. The number is 800-906-2440. There's no hidden fees. There's no pressure. They just, they're a locally owned, family owned company that now can cover you wherever you are, coast to coast. They work for you. You could save as much as $1,000 a month. I'd be willing just to save $100 a month, wouldn't you? American Financing, 800-906-2440. What you're looking at here, you think is just the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, but are you actually looking at the new commissioner or chief of police, a new intelligence arm and national police force? Nancy Pelosi doesn't want anybody asking any questions, and she doesn't want anything that I've told you about January 6th. It shows just how ridiculous this little committee of hers really is. Right now, she's rejected anyone that might ask any real questions. And now the committee, composed of seven Democrats and two Republicans, both of the Republicans voted to impeach Donald Trump. It's a witch hunt, and it must be resisted at every level. Now, I personally have had a long time respect for the Capitol Police. I think they have a very important job and they faced an insane situation on January 6th. But that's what it seems like because that's what I've seen. But something weird is going on. Officer Harry Dunn testified and said this, quote, there was an attack on January 6th and a hitman sent them. I want you to get to the bottom of that. Well, the hitman he's referring to is President Trump. Now, that's a pretty big accusation. Last month, the FBI said very specifically that the January 6th riot was not organized, coordinated, or planned by Trump or anyone else. So then why would he say that under oath? Why are the Democrats awarding the Capitol Police the Congressional Gold Medal? 
I've already showed you the facts of the 2020 summer riots. They proved they were much, much worse. Have you heard of anyone talking about, you know, Joe Biden awarding those police that stood in those cities any kind of medals or even a pat on the back? It almost seems like there's a narrative here. But why? What are they trying to hide? What are they doing? Well, let me show you the court documents from the case, the U.S. government versus some of the January 6th defendants. Check out the highlights here. We possess some information that the defense may view as supportive of arguments that law enforcement authorized defendants to enter the restricted grounds, e.g. images of officers hugging or fist bumping rioters, posing for photos with rioters and moving bike racks. We are not in a position to state whether we have identified all such information. Okay, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. That's an insane, insane statement. The first part says, okay, there's clearly evidence that would help exonerate these people. And then finishing it off with, but we're not in a position to show it and we're not sure we have all of it. Wait, what? Now in my day, kids, I remember, because I'm old enough, the justice system was required to provide any and all exculpatory evidence to the accused. Why won't the Justice Department release this evidence and the full 14,000 hours of surveillance video, including the body cam footage from the responding officers? Imagine if we were talking about an officer involved in a shooting of a black man anywhere. The full unedited footage would be everywhere. So why are we only getting short, short snippets, cherry-picked, that conveniently follow the January 6th committee narrative? 14 media outlets are now suing the Justice Department to get the information released, but the government has denied the request, and they can. Wow, really? Why? Uh, maybe because there's a lot more to this. Maybe. Look. The police here are willing to work with us and cooperate peacefully, like our First Amendment allows. Gather more Americans under the condition that they will come and gather peacefully to discuss what needs to be done to save our country. That's not a radical. That's not a guy up in Michigan with a bunch of guns. Listen to this. This must be peaceful. Look at that. Now, if more footage like that got out, probably be a little harder to say the word insurrection again and be taken seriously. You wouldn't be able to launch congressional committees and vilify all the crazy conservatives, the Christians, and the vaccine skeptics. So the rest of us are forced to go on with this shroud of government secrecy. Why? Well, meanwhile, last weekend, the bomb was dropped. The Capitol Police quietly recommended six of the officers that responded to the riot for disciplinary action. Why? Well, they do. Here's another question. Why did they drop this information on not only a Saturday, but on Saturday, September 11th? Is that when they had that news or is that just because they wanted the least amount of attention towards this as possible? And remember, the public isn't allowed to see why these officers are being disciplined because the government won't release any of it, including the footage. Now, I would call this unprecedented. But what do we expect by now? 
Only one person was killed at the Capitol on January 6th, and that is one too many. It was one of the rioters. Now, two things would happen if this would have happened at a BLM or Antifa riot. One, the media would call her a demonstrator. And two, the police would immediately release the name of the officer that pulled the trigger. And the media would be talking about it nonstop. And they would look to the record and see if there was any blemish on this rec rep uh, record. But we don't know. The, the officer's social media was scrubbed. And then the Capitol Police refused to name him or provide any footage. Again, we're in the dark until this video was surfaced by investigators. The situation where you discussed where uh, Officer Bird was at the door uh, when Ms. Babbitt was shot, it was, it was our uh, Sergeant Arms employee who rendered the aid. Okay, that was the acting, acting Sergeant of Arms testifying to the House. He accidentally revealed the name of the officer that killed Ashley Babbitt, Officer Michael Byrd. If it wasn't for real clear investigations, no one would have ever really known who shot Babbitt. Lieutenant Byrd was recently identified, and he identified himself on his own without the Capitol Police. So, wait, why is the name of any officer involved in shooting, why isn't it immediately released like it is everywhere else? Why is this the only exception? Could it be possibly due to the fact that Officer Byrd has a history of negligence when, like, for instance, he left his gun unattended in the bathroom? Whoops, where did I put my gun? This is the type of evidence that the Babbitt family lawyers could have used, but they were denied. And Ashley Babbitt's mother and lawyer say the requests for information continue to get stonewalled. All of it is outrageous. The secret goes completely against the way justice works in this country. But yet it's all perfectly legal. All of it is enabled by the Capitol Police's unusual ability to operate outside of any oversight. It is basically the private police force of the House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi's police force. Whew, well, it, it, hmm, that's bad. But are they doing anything with that power? Oh, yes, they are. Back in a minute. Okay, I want to show you the text from the D.C. law that mandates police release names and footage when an officer uses deadly force. And I quote, Within five business days after an officer involved uh, death or serious use of force, publicly release the names and body-worn camera recordings of all officers who committed the officer-involved death or serious use of force. So how can the Capitol Police get away with hoarding 14,000 hours of surveillance footage from January 6th and refuse to identify the name of the officer that killed the only person there that day? Well, the answer is, and you're not going to like it, they operate outside the realms of any kind of oversight. This is not an exaggeration. We can't FOIA the Capitol Police. You can't even read information from their inspector general. They have one, but their reports only go to the Capitol Police Board. Roll Call got this answer from a Capitol Police lawyer, and I quote, Please be advised the United States Capitol Police, as a legislative branch entity, is not an agency under the Freedom of Information Act. 
Therefore, the USCP is not subject to the requirements of the Freedom of Information Act. So we can do nothing. They report only to Congress, and they have the complete authority to make arrests in places outside of the Capitol grounds. Well, that's not good. I mean, uh, could you just hear me out? Say it's a, a Republican that's running the House of Representatives, not Nancy Pelosi. Do you want any police force, any intelligence agency now having the kind of power where they report? It's a private army. It's a private police force. And there is no oversight and they only report to her or him. With that in mind, is it surprising at all that the only evidence they release goes along with Pelosi's January 6th narrative? This is total corruption. I want to make it clear here. I am not criticizing the Capitol officers themselves. They can't be held responsible for the system that they're under unless they're being told to do illegal things. But it is the system that I'm concerned with. And while the left has been pushing to defund your police, they're giving their police a lot more money. The fiscal year 2021, the budget for the legislative branch bumped the Capitol Police salary expenses from $379 million to $417 million. Other expenses like cars, uniforms, weapons were bumped from 83 or $85.2 million to $103.1 million. And this doesn't even include the $1.9 billion of emergency funding given to the Capitol Police after January 6th. billion? Nancy Pelosi spearheaded that. You know, because, of course, you can't be allowed to protect yourself. You know, we have to have better protection around here. It's rich, right? They don't want you to have guns. They don't want to fund your police. But their bodyguards, fully funded and equipped. The Capitol Police are an organization that has no oversight They're getting pumped up with more funding, and now they're expanding their operations. We've told you this before. Quote, the department is also in the process of opening regional field offices in California and Florida with additional regions in the near future to investigate threats to members of Congress. That's odd, because that's what the FBI is supposed to do. Do you remember the collective freakout when Trump's DHS sent officers to Portland to help defend federal buildings from BLM and Antifa? This article is from the top progressive think tank in the country. Have you heard anything from them regarding the congressional cops expanding beyond Washington, D.C.? Because a logical person who enjoys the rights and freedoms that we have in the Constitution would ask, logically, what are they building here? An official Capitol Police press statement mentions a loan from the Department of Defense for state-of-the-art surveillance technology. More offices outside of D.C., Pentagon-approved surveillance equipment, and the pledge by the acting chief to make a, quote, pivot towards an intelligence-based protective agency. Are we looking at the birth of a new arm in the U.S. intelligence community? And not only that, one where oversight does not exist. It might sound awful to you, but to me it sounds like the KGB. And if you're curious about the KGB's original role, listen to this. Quote, During the Soviet era, the KGB's responsibility included the protection of the country's political leadership, check, the supervision of border troops, 
and the general surveillance of the population. Check. Just assign them to the border and you got it. If you think any of this sounds worrisome, you shouldn't be surprised. It's happening right out in the open. It's been happening for over a decade. The intelligence community has grown and they have weaponized and then unleashed on a candidate running for president. And now with the Capitol Police expansion and the role shift, the surveillance state is about to become all but unstoppable. And, and you and me, unable to know a single thing about it. But wait, there's more back in a minute. All right, um, I want to start with a little context on how large the intelligence community of the United States really is. It is composed of 18 different organizations, two independent agencies, nine Department of Defense elements, and seven classified mostly as other. Basically, any time they want to add an organization for intelligence that seems a little random, they just go into the other bin. Places like the Department of Energy, an intelligence arm, the DOJ, the Department of Treasury, and the State Department. It is a living, breathing, and more importantly, expanding organization. So my question is, how many more elements of the government are going to, uh, in some way, coordinate with this monolith? Do we now add the Capitol Police because due to their own acting director, they've pivoted to an intelligence-based protective agency, and they're getting surveillance equipment from the Pentagon? Okay, what about the Postal Service? Did you know they even had one? The chief postal inspector admitted that his agency is running something called the Internet Covert Operations Program. They're tracking, tracking the social media posts of American citizens. That has nothing to do with mail fraud. This is going on right now. And when confronted about it, the Postal Service brushed aside concerns and said that now that it is out in the open, they're going to make it more secretive. I'm not making that up. No joke, folks. No one, no one should be surprised. Let me show you how the intelligence community already operates. The spy takeover began under Barack Obama. It was the ultimate weapon to circumvent Congress and drop the hammer on opponents if needed. Ideologues were placed in key positions throughout the government. People like, what a surprise, Susan Rice at the NAC. Uh, you had Hillary Clinton at State and Comey at the FBI and Samantha Power. Other ideologues included John Brennan at the CIA, James Clapper as the director of national intelligence, and mid-level people like Bruce Orr at the DOJ and Peter Strzok at the FBI. When all of the pieces were in place, Obama increased the funding to the intelligence machine and classified their budget. Now, to really show you what Obama did and how bad the intelligence community has become, I want to focus on just two entities. The Director of National Intelligence. It was his job to make sure that all of the information coming in was getting disseminated properly. If anyone knew something, it had to be him. Remember that. Then, the Gang of Eight. These are the eight members of Congress who get briefed on what the intelligence community is up to. This was meant to be a stopgap and oversight on spies. Well, under Bush, the DNI was meant to be the ultimate disseminator of intelligence. 
everything that went across the DNI desk, he would know about everything that was happening. But that apparently changed under Obama. Islamic terror was breaking out all over the world, especially in Europe. And in December 2010, one of the largest counter-terror operations in recent memory occurred in the UK. But watch what happens when James Clapper is asked about it. But we wondered, how did they stay in control with so much information coming in every day? For instance, the afternoon of our interview, the day's news had been filled with the terror arrest, 12 people in London just that morning. But when we asked the director of intelligence... First of all, London, how serious is it? Any implication that it was coming here? Any of the things that they have seen were coming here? The arrest, the arrest of the, uh, 12 the, arrest of the 12. Okay, that is painful to watch. He had absolutely no clue as to what she was even talking about. He had to look over to the CIA director. But Clapper should have had more information than Brennan because he's the center of it all. Now, on the surface, you might be thinking, why would Obama have this guy as the director of national intelligence? He, complete, he looks completely incompetent. Unless... He's focused on other things, and this is by design. Looking at it another way, Clapper was the perfect man for the job if you're running secret intelligent missions against a candidate running for president and his staff. But, 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 but wait, what about the gang of eight, right? If the DNI was being deliberately kept in the dark, wouldn't the gang of eight put a stop to what happened to Trump? Because that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to be read in on everything the intelligence community does. Everything. Here's FBI director during congressional testimony answering whether the Gang of Eight was briefed on the operation against President Trump. So just to drill down on this, um, if, if the open investigation began in July and the briefing of congressional leadership only occurred recently, why was there no notification prior to the recent, the past month? I think our decision was it was a matter of such sensitivity that we wouldn't include it in the quarterly briefings. No, 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 no. You work for Congress, and Congress works for the American people. And Congress is supposed to be read in on everything. Just eight people. And they're supposed to be trustworthy. But the FBI chose to keep them in the dark this time around. Guess what? The Gang of Eight never pressed it. They never pushed to find out why the FBI and intelligence community willingly admitted what they were doing to Donald Trump. It's insanity. Together, the FBI and the CIA worked overseas operations to give the appearance that George Papadopoulos and Carter Page were dealing with Russia. Meanwhile, an informant with the FBI, Christopher Steele, was hired by Fusion GPS to dig up dirt on Trump. When the link between the FBI and Steele was terminated, the Steele dossier information continued to flow through data dumps from Nellie Orr and her husband Bruce at the DOJ. He then met 13 times with the FBI to give them the information. All of the junk in the Steele dossier would be discredited, but it continued to be the justification to spy on Carter Page. Oh, and Nellie, Nellie Orr, Guess what she did before working with Fusion GPS? She was with the CIA. Hmm. An intelligence operation was running against the president of the United States. It included the FBI, the DOJ, CIA, and who knows how many others. 
and it completely circumvented all oversight. The stopgaps were subverted, and no one seems to care. Why? Because the intelligence apparatus now runs the country, I believe. Now, the government, through January 6th committee, is pushing private companies to spy on Americans. How bad can this get? Well, we might find out this weekend. Fencing is now being put back up around the Capitol in anticipation of yet another rally this weekend. It's a rally that I could support the cause because what's happening to the people on January 6th is an abomination. But I have to tell you, I wouldn't go because I think this is, I feel like it's a setup. If something happens, would you be surprised if it was an FBI agent? I beg of you, if you're one of the 700 people that are going to this rally, do everything by the book peacefully. You, you, and it's so easily a setup. And one more incident. And the net has been has been made, it's laid, it's ready to fall into it as they collapse the system. The event could be this weekend. Don't give the government any excuse. As I showed you tonight, the rules have changed and the spooks now are running the show. Tools of revolution, I added on the chalkboard tonight two, two things, the net and the event. And I told you tonight, I think it's going to be something like another uh, January 6th. However, the net... This is a this is a controlled uh, destruction of America. And there is a net that we're all going to fall into next week on Wednesday night special. I'm going to talk to you about the coming financial collapse and what we fall into next week. Don't miss it. <laughs>